It seems as though the Torah has been written yesterday. The events that occur in this week's Parsha are not only so relevant, but yet take us to the core of the conflict of what's going on in the Middle East with our brothers and sisters today. I don't know about all of you, but it's been a very difficult week. Um, it has not been easy with all the soldiers going into us and literally risking their lives for us. And at the same time, I personally know people, Jews, with the best of intentions that are pro-Palestinian, go to the rallies and are fighting this cause from a really good place. And at first it made me really, I was just like frustrated and angry and I couldn't understand how your brothers and sisters are dying. If you went into Gaza, they don't like you. This has nothing to do with land. This is everything to do with being Jewish. And it was very hard for me to really wrap my head around the Jewish neshama and how it, we have so much Rachmanim, but where is our misguided Rachmanim? And we see this in this week's parsha. Many years ago, um, I read an article from Jonathan Sachs, and he talks about this note in this week's parsha. It's called the Shalshelas. And it's a note of ambivalence. In the Torah, there is no word for ambivalence. Yet, there is a sound that expresses the dichotomy that we experience inside of us, the cognitive dissonance that we constantly face. And the Shalshelas appears in this week's parsha for the first time. It appears four times in the Torah in total. And when it appears in this week's parsha, you feel the pain of light. Light has left Avraham, like the Jews. And it's so true and so sad in a way. But I was sitting in the staff room and I was asking one of the teachers, like, how does it happen? How does it happen that there are Jews that are pro this movement that is so anti-Semitic to say the least. And she said, Jews always want to be like everyone else. And I think it's a very powerful point that throughout history, Jews just, we just want to be normal. And I think we've copped a lot of horrible scenarios and terrible pogroms because we just said lay low it's okay. We're just like everyone else. This will pass. And when the realization comes that there is something that makes you different, something that most people can't pinpoint, and it bothers you because you just want to be like everyone else. You don't want to be different. Jews in America want to be American. Being Jewish is so complicated. We can't even figure out what it means to be Jewish. And Jewish identity is so complicated. So it's so much easier just to say, you know what? I'm just going to be like everyone else. And then when someone points at you and says, like, you're different, you're like, no, I'm not different. I'm going to fight for the same things you fight for. But unfortunately, it doesn't work. Because when you are Jewish, you're different. Instead of fighting it, 
like I always say, I don't believe in anti-Semitism. My friend said a really funny thing. She's like, I was so stressed and upset and depressed about what was going on in Israel and everything that's going on in the world and all the anti-Semitism. And then I turned off my phone and none of it existed. And I think when we fuel it, when we think that being Jewish is because of anti-Semitism, being Jewish has nothing to do with anti-Semitism. Judaism has nothing to do with the Holocaust. We are not Jewish because of the Holocaust. We are Jewish because of anti-Semitism. Judaism is a gift that I have been blessed with. A gift that was given to me by my mother and her mother and her mother for generations. And yet in this week's parish, we see light. Avram's nephew, as he parted from Avram and finds his way in Sadaim. And Light stood at the gates of Sadaim. He wanted to be like everybody else, so desperately, so badly. He wanted to be accepted. He wanted his daughters. His daughters married the people of Sadaim. And even though Sadaim is the most backward society in which they literally tortured people when they came as guests, a tall man, the Midrash says, would put in a small bed, and a small man, they would put in. If somebody had invited someone as a guest, they would come and bully them and banish them from the town to the point that when Light has guests, it's the t honestly, I feel like I skipped it out so many years. I didn't even like pay attention so deeply, but like he sends his daughters out. He says, take my daughters whenever they would come. The men would rape the men. He, they wanted to rape the guests, Avram and the angels that had come to save light from Hashem essentially wanted to destroy Sadaim, wanted to destroy evil. And light says, don't rape my guests. Take my daughters, my virgin daughters. And I, it stood out to me how light had so badly wanted to be like everyone else. He wanted to stand up for the I guess the despicable morals of that society and he wanted to align with it. But at this point, it becomes abundantly clear that Lot will never be accepted. And as the angels and Avram tell Lot, we need to leave, we need to go, he looks at his sons-in-law and they start laughing at him. They look at him and they say, dirty Jew. Did you think that we were going to accept you? The same is true in Nazi Germany. The same is true for what is going on right now. It pains me to say, but by standing up for free Palestine, free Palestine does not mean free the Palestinians. It means free Palestine from Jews. It means Judenrein. The same slogan that was spoken about, that was the ideology of the Nazis in Nazi Germany. So for all the Jews that just want to be like everyone else, and I saw, it was really painful actually, I saw a rally from the 1930s, a bunch of Jews holding up signs, let's make peace with Hitler. And I was thinking to myself, this is what it looks like when it says Jews for Palestine. You're standing for a movement that wants you dead. And they're not even shy about it. They're saying it very clearly. 
The only thing, you're not ready to see it because you want to be so deeply accepted by them. And thus, this week's Parsha, he looks at his future sons-in-law and he says, why don't you come with us? And they look at him and they literally laugh at him. They say, we don't like you. You thought you were part of us. You're not part of us. And all of a sudden, the malachim say to light, the angels say to light, come, we're going. Take your wife and your daughters. We're going to run away from this place. And thus, the first shalshela emerges. He goes back and forth. The shalshelas, he's chained. He's feeling, what am I meant to do right now? Where am I meant to turn? And you feel the pain that light experiences. His whole life, he wanted to be like the people of light. At the last moment, they laugh at him. The last moments they look at him and say, Dirty Jew, get out of here. And as the parsha deepens, we see that there is one woman, very righteous woman, our foremother, that sees the truth. Even Avram couldn't see what Ishmael had to play. I want to clarify very clearly that Ishmael is. I always say this, and I believe it so, so I don't think the Muslims are our cousins. Unfortunately, I mean, Muhammad was born in 570 CE, and Yishmael was lived in the 13th century BCE. So this is like 2,000 years before Muhammad was even born. And I believe the Quran really tries to connect itself to the story of Yishmael and really perverts the stories in the Tanakh to say that it wasn't Yitzchak that got the Akedah, it was Yishmael in order to establish legitimacy as a religion as old as Judaism. But the truth is, Islam is 500, 600 years younger than Christianity. And Yashka which was born in zero, CE lived at the times of the second temple. So if you can think about how new these religions are and how for so long Jews were really bullied for being monotheistic, if you think about it, but yet the sentiments are still true. Yishmael is essentially bullying in the same way that we are being even though I don't want to give in to the victimization, I don't believe in feeling victimized. But yet we see over here Yishmael looking at Yitzchak and in a sense laughing at him. And Sarah is the one that has the guts to say, I want him to leave. He has to leave. And I think it's a very difficult story because I think it's, I think we feel the same pain today. We feel 
We don't want to send people out of their homeland. And I truly believe that the Palestinians use the story of Nakba in 1948 as leverage um, to really receive billions of dollars from the United Nations. There was billions of refugees in 1948, but none as privileged as the Palestinian refugees that still receive aid. There was 850,000 Jews that were displaced as refugees in 1948 from Arab countries. Jews that lived in areas in which the Palestinians or the Arabs at the time, which what they were called, lived in were murdered. Yet the story of Nakba is really the story, the foundational story that we all talk about that in many ways they believe is really the foundation of the Palestinian conflict, which I personally believe is just an excuse to be anti-Semitic. Anyways, so Ishmael starts with this wicked behavior and this greatly distressed Avram. He doesn't want to send his son away. And Hashem says to Avram, listen to the voice of Sarah. Shmabakala, listen to her voice. Her, prof- her prophecy is greater than yours. And I promise you that Yitzchak will have beautiful descendants. And I think we read this Pasuk, these Pesukim, and you feel sorry for Yishmael. And the Pasuk says, and Sarah says to Avram, kick her out. Because this son will not inherit together with my son. And I think this is really the heart of what we're talking about. This concept of a two-state solution. I believe it's not us. Thank God. It's the Palestinians that have dejected this offer time and time again. They're not interested in a two-state solution. And it honestly pains me that anyone, the fact that people are still even talking about a two-state solution, it's not a solution. The facts are that the Palestinians rejected when Ahud Barak literally gave the Palestinians everything they wanted, every morsel, every piece of land, Yasser Arafat walked away from it, even as East Jerusalem as a capital. They don't want a two-state solution. They want a one-state solution. And that one-state solution is with Jews not in it. And I think Sarah had the foresight She had the foresight to see that trying to make compromises with someone that is bullying you is not going to work. Let's be practical, Jewish people. Let's think clearly. There is no space to make peace with people that don't want to make peace. They want you in pieces. And at this point, we see so clearly that Sarah was able to distinguish between evil and good. And yes, 
doesn't mean to say that we're not meant to have empathy. But is our empathy clouding our opinion? If we are cruel to those, if we are kind to those we should be cruel to, we will end up inevitably being cruel to those that we need to be kind to. And here we have Sarah, the matriarch, making the tough decisions over here and saying, no, I'm going to protect my son. What are we going to do to protect ourselves? As Jewish people, we need to have a clear mindset, a clear goal. This week's parasha is not just dumb here. It's to explain to us that trying to be like everyone else isn't going to help us. Trying to bring across solutions that don't make any sense just because we want to gain popularity with the nations of the world. You're not going to ever be popular with the nations of the world. And that's the best part of it all. We're so much cooler. People are just jealous the fact that we are Jewish. Being Jewish is the greatest gift that anyone could possibly give us. We're the luckiest people on the planet. Hashem has promised us. Hashem has been there for us for generations. The fact that we are here is a miracle. The fact that we are here in our land is a miracle. So my fellow Jews, I love you all. Be proud to be Jewish. It's the greatest gift Hashem has ever given us. And there's no, it's not worth it to try to make peace. Right now we need to be strong. We need to be strong warriors. We need to be on the front lines, spreading light. Neshek, Nera Shabbos Kaidesh, doing Mifsaim, saying Achitas, doing what we need to do, fighting with the same strength that our soldiers are on our front lines. That's how hard we need to be spreading light. This is not a physical war. This is a spiritual war. This is a war against a Jewish neshama. So what are we doing about it? Are we going to try and assimilate, try to gain favorability from the nations of the world? Or are we going to say, no, I love being Jewish and I'm so proud to be Jewish. I'm not confused about it. I'm going to do what it takes to light this world ablaze. Wishing you a beautiful, meaningful Shabbos. Love, Hannah.